0: Oh, your prayers sustain people. Okay, let's uh, try another psalm tonight. We uh, took several weeks in Psalm 37. I want you to go to Psalm 19. That's 1-9. Nine. This psalm makes some incredible statements. And uh, we'll get to that next week. Um, all of it is wonderful, but there are some that are particularly powerful about the Word of God and what God thinks and what God says about his word but we're going to start with creation and we're going to talk about the heavens and the grandeur of God and the glory of God and uh, when you read these things it's no wonder that there has been such an attack against even the concept of creation and a creator there's a reason for that where'd evolution come from where did the whole idea come from? Well, it was belched out of hell. And the reason the devil cares about it, why does the devil care what we think about creation? I mean, who cares? And some people even try to say, well, I believe everything in the Bible except the first few chapters of Genesis, you know. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's, science has more to say than... Genesis does, and of course, to me, that always makes me think, if you can't trust Genesis 1, then what makes you think you can trust John 3.16? You know, it's the Word of God. But uh, when I've thought about why does this matter, this psalm comes to mind. Here's what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters Speech. Did you know every day talks? And night unto night reveals knowledge. In other words, there are just some things you see at night when you look at the sky that you don't see in the daytime. And yet they're still there. Just covered up by the light. Okay. So the day speaks and the night reveals. You see those things. It's beautiful, isn't it? And verse 3, There is no speech. Or language, meaning among people, where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle, or a tent, for the Son, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. You ever thought about the sun? Remember when you were a little kid, you'd see those pictures of the sun smiling? It's kind of what it says here. The sun's excited about rising tomorrow morning and then running its race across the sky. Uh, That's amazing. God made that. And uh, let's see. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Verse 6. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit... To the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. You know, even on a cold day, you're still getting the heat of the sun, or everything would freeze to death. And then uh, when we uh, get into August, you won't doubt that verse at all, will you? Yeah, everything feels its heat. Uh, this is. Uh, we'll stop there, and we'll look at uh, some other verses next week. This is kind of an amazing thing. And I want you to picture David watching sheep laying out on a hillside. And the sheep have finally settled down. He's relatively sure that they're safe for the night. They're in the, the sheepfold fold. And, and perhaps David is, um, has laid down to sleep right in the doorway, the doorway of it. In other words, if a wolf or a lion or a bear is going to get to the sheep, it's got to come through David. Got to come through David. And that's kind of the picture when the Lord Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd of the sheep. And then he also talks about being a door. We don't have to speculate. Screen door, sliding glass door? What kind of door is he talking about? It's the door to the sheepfold. And so the, the sheepfold, the fence that's all around it, get the sheep in there, and then the shepherd would, would uh, lie down right in the doorway. And that's what Jesus is talking about as he protects us, as he watches over us. And maybe you're the one that went astray and he left the 99 and went and got you. Now he's got you in. What does he do? He lays down in the doorway protecting us. Maybe that's David as he writes his psalm. And as David is listening as the sheep, they fall asleep. And he's listening to the sounds of the night. And he looks up into the sky. I wonder if David ever looked and said, what is that red dot? up there and he didn't know he was looking at mars but that's what he was looking at the same sky that you look at as he would look at the moon and i wonder if david ever said why why does the moon seem to change shape why does it go from being a tiny sliver and now all of a sudden it's full and he noticed the consistency and they had calendars in those days because people had watched that and uh, they could watch the phases of the moon and know what time of the month it was. And those kind of things were happening. It was just amazing. I wonder if David ever looked and saw a constellation. You ever looked at the constellations? And I wonder if David ever saw the Big Dipper and noticed. Probably didn't call it that, but said that's a, that's a curious shape. And I wonder as he looked at those constellations if he ever said, what's that, what's that brightest star? And why does it never move? All the other ones seem to move. but That one stays right there. Uh, I wonder how much he noticed. I wonder if he was in awe of all of that as he talked to the Lord and sang to the Lord. And as he is watching all of that, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. I was told by Mrs. Roberts in third grade that when the cosmonauts from the Soviet Union went into space that they said I see no God anywhere and American astronauts read out of Genesis chapter one from a spacecraft and said we see the handiwork of God everywhere we go they'd probably get in trouble trouble for that now wouldn't they but you and I when we walk outside we take things for granted And we take creation for granted. It's just the way it works. Mr. Uh, Michael Bloomberg basically said, anybody can be a farmer. All you do is dig a hole and put a seed in it. Well, he never met any of my relatives. Did harder work than he's ever dreamed about doing. Had more knowledge of science and horticulture and seasons and all of that type of stuff and chemicals and all of that than he'll ever know then they have to run a business to boot and uh, keep up with taxes and all of those kind of things. It's amazing what people can do. And everything that we do, having the food that we have, being able to send a spacecraft to the moon, all of that, what is all that based on? The creation of God and the consistency of God's creation as He governs it and as He holds all things together. I was thinking this afternoon, uh, evolution, random chance, all of that stuff that they talk about. You know what I would expect if that were true? A chaotic, unpredictable universe, right? Just thrown out there, like a little kid throwing a paintbrush at a a piece of paper and you know it just splatters all over the place and there's no rhyme or reason to it that's kind of what I would expect if all of this were by random chance but to me to me I look around and I see design I see carefully thought out things that fit together in ways that nobody could have ever thought of it's amazing when you look around at the earth and how things grow And how things live and how they die. And there's a cycle. There's reason to all of it. And uh, there are even vultures to clean it up when they do die and decay. I mean, just... Who thought of that? God. And the heavens, when we go outside in just a few minutes, before you get in your car, just look up. And think about all of the things that you see up there. And then... Will you think about all of the things that you don't see that you know are up there? That Hubble telescope shows us some amazing things that are too far for us to see unaided. And yet they're out there. It's amazing. And what does David say the heavens are doing right now? Listen. You hear it? They are declaring the glory of God. Tomorrow morning when you get up, have you noticed the days are getting a little bit longer? Sun's coming up a little bit earlier and staying up a little bit later into the night. It's always good. And uh, you think about that. Day unto day, what do they do? David said it's like they have a voice. They're speaking. You know, the Bible says his mercies are new. How often? Every morning, that sunrise tomorrow morning—that is going to be so consistent. The weatherman can predict it. You can look on your phone and see when sunrise and sunset is, and you can chart all of that. It's amazing. The seasons come and the seasons go. And uh, here in Oklahoma, things may seem a little a little screwball sometimes. You know, you want to say, "Make up your mind, what is it?" But you know what? It's still winter. And it will be until it's spring. And when spring comes, you know, it may fluctuate a little bit, but it'll be time uh, to start thinking about scalping your yard. Amen. (laughs) It's just a few weeks, and you're going to be using all your Saturday to mow. That kind of stuff. And you know what? It's been happening that way for thousands of years. Bermuda grass doesn't really grow out and turn green until a certain time of the year, does it? No matter what you do, you can't really trick it, can you? And uh, trees go dormant, and then they bud out, and sometimes they get a little confused, and some of those pear trees come out in February, and you know you just want to go, don't do it, don't do it. It's a trick, you know. Late freezes come, and all of that, but yet there's remarkable consistency. We are all different, unique creations of God. Am I right about that? you got a different thumbprint than I do. And my thumbprint is unique to me. And um, they could, you know, capture me or prove that I committed a crime or maybe disprove it. My DNA is different than yours. And we can uh, chart where we came from. If you go to Ancestry.com, they'll tell you that kind of stuff. And they can also... um, Check out crime scenes and sometimes prisoners get freed because DNA proves that they were innocent. That's amazing. We're all unique, so unique that you can be pinpointed like that. That's neat. Different personalities, different interests, different levels of intellect, all of those kind of things. You know, when they said in the Declaration, all men are created equal, uh, I don't know. Some of you don't look near as good as I do. Some of you are not near as smart as I am. Some of you are not near as talented and all that. I'm not sure that we're all equal. Some of us, you know, have a little higher standard. And I know what they were saying. They're talking about it in terms of our human rights. But uh, think about it. God made us all unique. Strengths and weaknesses and uh, all of these kind of things. Okay? Now, we got that, right? Say amen if you got that. And yet you can go to the doctor... And the doctor can treat you with the same medicine that he does for us. Isn't that something? You can have the same symptoms that Pam has, and guess what happens? you got the same disease. All got the flu or cancer or whatever it is that we might have. That's amazing to me that we can be so different, and yet a doctor can look and in just a matter of seconds sometimes go, Oh, I know what the problem is. Because there's a consistency, even though we're different, there is an amazing consistency in the design of which God made us. A veterinarian can learn all of the different uh, animal species that he or she is going to treat, and there's a consistency. Dogs are built and made a certain way, whether they're little bitty tiny dogs... Or whether it is, you know, a Great Dane, and yet that uh, doctor can look at that and say, "Here's what they ought to eat. Here's what they ought to do. Here's how their heart works, and all that." It's amazing, and they look completely different, and yet there's so much that is the same. In fact, we can look up at the sky, and we could use the same instruments that Christopher Columbus used to cross the ocean. And same stars, same things, same instruments, all of these hundreds of years later. I mean, you catching what I'm saying? This just doesn't sound like a cosmic accident and random chance or anything like that to me. It's amazing. And the earth as it uh, circles around the sun, David didn't know that. He writes this, from his human observation, it looks like the sun comes up over here and it runs over here. That's, I mean, even with all of our scientific knowledge, the weatherman still says sunrise and sunset. Right? That's the way it looks to us. We understand that. And, and yet, when we think about all of the things that we know and all of the things that we can observe and all of the wonders of science, isn't it amazing that the same seasons are taking place now that took place when David was laying down with the sheep. And the same stars, for the most part, some of them die and some of them fall, we know that, but for the most part, you look up and you see the same constellations and the same movement and the same patterns and all of that type of thing, and uh, it's incredible. In fact, when they uh, sent Apollo 11 to the moon, They were uh, pretty primitive in terms of computers. In fact, that's back in the days when they used to call people computers. That was their job title. And big walls filled up with all kinds of equations and things. And It's so consistent that they were able to put some people in a capsule on top of a Saturn rocket and at the right time, in the right way, with the right thrust and the right um, projection and all of that, and they landed on the moon. They didn't miss. I mean, you don't have to be off much when you're going that far to like, uh, oops! You know, where are we? Yeah, they better be glad I wasn't doing the computations. Uh, this This is amazing. This is amazing. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. All of those things testify to the fact that there is a God, and He is the designer, and he sustains all things. So if I'm an atheist who hates God, doesn't want God, doesn't want any morality in anything, you know one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to attack creation. No God, no creation, random chance, you're a mutation, you're an accident. I do think it's kind of funny when I hear uh, people who are not believers and they believe in evolution and they say, I just want to find my purpose in life. Like, what purpose is there if you're true about what you believe purpose means design right and i think about that the heavens declare the glory of god can you show the existence of god step outside in the night sky and take a look look at the way your body works look at creation look at the animal world look at the insect world oh my goodness it's absolutely amazing Because every time when you go out in the summer and you hear those crickets, you ever notice how loud they are when they get right underneath your bedroom window? Yeah. You know what they're doing? Declaring the glory of God. Declaring the glory of God. And when a bird swoops down and eats the cricket, I shout for the glory of God. Right? Uh, This is amazing. Amazing. So the heavens declare, that's what they're doing right now, the glory of God and the firmament. When you look at the skies that are right above the earth's atmosphere, they are showing his handiwork. You want to know how consistent and wonderful that is? Mike Morgan, David Payne, and whoever the other guy is, they can give you a 10-day forecast. And you know what? A lot of times they're right. Why? Because all of this, even just in our atmosphere, they can tell uh, what the Gulf Stream is doing, uh, fronts and high pressure and low pressure and all of those kind of things. It's amazing. And in a few weeks, we're going to be really, really thankful for those guys because they may not always get the snow right or anything like that. But I'm going to tell you something. When it's Monday and they say, Thursday, be weather alert. I've been around here long enough. You know what I do? I'm being weather alert. Yeah. I might even go out to our storm shelter and might even sweep it out, you know? Might need it. These kind of things are testaments to the glory of God, His sovereignty, His control, all of those kind of things. And it ought to be that our faith is so strong in that that we have pity on people who don't see that and try to tear that down. And we understand that the reason they tear it down, it's not just because they have a difference of opinion, you know, different strokes for different folks. This is a diabolical plan. And when I see this, the whole thing of evolution, it's not just a misguided soul who did something. It is a satanic, demonic attack on the glory of God. If anybody hates God, the devil does. He was in heaven once. and Because he was lifted up in pride, he found out who was boss. And he was cast out. And where you are going to go when you die is a place he used to be but will never go again. Not as a welcome guest, not as an inhabitant. Maybe if you read Job 1... And uh, understand that maybe he is tolerated in the outer courts to come and make accusation and all of that. But he has no mansion. He has no song. He has no fellowship. He has no home in heaven and he hates it. And he hates everyone who is bound for there. Boy, if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he hates you. And as he attacks creation and as he asserts himself in all of this, He does it with the idea of ascending to the throne of the Most High God, as he tried to do, and tearing down God. And the Bible also talks about him being filled with anger because he has but a short time. I don't know how long that short time is, but I do know this. He doesn't have as much time as he wants. He'll never get as much time as he needs because even if he had an infinity of time, he would not be able to topple God right? And yet he tries, and he works, and he whispers in the ear of people, there's no God. This is a mistake. This is a product of random chance. And yet the heavens continue, continue, continue to do something. In the universities, they're saying, there is no God, and this is how it all happened. And yet the moon comes out, and the stars come out, and they say, want to bet? And they praise the one who made them and they declare the glory of God and there are things that no matter what science does and how far it tries to stray they still run into a dead end oh there was a gathering of certain things and certain materials and then there was a bang and all of this happened where'd that stuff come from and they don't know And they have great disdain for anybody who would ask any question like that. And they try to dismiss you as just some ignorant rube who knows no better and all of that. And yet the the, the, the thing is true as it's always been. They don't know. And they can be so strong and confident in their assertions about something that is still called a theory. And yet the truth of the matter is they don't know. Constantly revising it. Constantly changing it. And all of the stuff that goes on with people that even are defecting from Darwinism. Lately there have been some pretty prominent intellectuals that have disavowed Darwinism. Well, it's a step in the right direction. But this world continues on. Hating God. Standing against God. And trying to de-glorify God by debunking creation. So far they've been unsuccessful because they can rant and they can rave and then here comes the moon declaring the glory of its creator. Here comes the stars and all of these things and with our telescopes and spacecraft we find more and more and more and we go, where did all of this come from? We couldn't get there in thousands of years if we could travel at the speed of light and yet it's there. And its light shines on us. Where did this come from? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament displays His handiwork. We think we're big and our earth is big until you start looking at the solar system, until you start looking at our galaxy, and then you realize there are a lot of other galaxies that we see from outer space. We know they're there and all of a sudden we look mighty small we think we're big stuff and yet you look and we're pretty small when it all comes together and yet this is the planet where God chose to put life no I don't believe there's life on other planets we are the ones the planet where God chose to send his son Jesus didn't die for angels isn't that right? You know, uh, somebody told me one time that everybody believes in limited atonement. It's just where you draw the line. And he said, it's interesting that everybody gets all upset whenever we say that about humans. But nobody weeps over angels. Nobody says it's not fair that God didn't die for angels. We don't give it a second thought. Because we make it all about us, don't we? Instead of God, and instead of His plan. And we think about that. This planet, this little planet in the whole universe is where God put his focus. We don't hear about the creation of Mars other than we know that the Bible says God framed the worlds and spoke them into existence. But we don't hear a detailed story about it like we do on earth. And when we think about earth and its insignificance in you know, uh, the universe... And yet it was here that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, made Eve out of Adam's rib. It was in this place that God <clears throat> said that uh, in spite of the curse of sin, that the seed of the woman, meaning Jesus, a reference to the virgin birth, was going to crush the serpent's head. Isn't it interesting? This is where the battle lines are drawn. This is where the battle is fought. This is the place where Jesus came, lived, and died for our sins and purchased our redemption. And you know what? This is the place he's going to return. Why he'd want to come back? I don't know, but that's his business, isn't it? And he's going to come back to this sin-scarred, rebellious, treasonous earth. And he's going to take over. He's going to rule and reign in Jerusalem from the throne of his father David for a thousand years. And we're going to reign with him. Just, I think about all the intricacies of that. And I think, why? And that's another psalm, isn't it? What is man that you would consider him? That you're mindful of him. And the son of man, humans, that you visit him. Or you've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. And I think the psalmist would echo us. Why? Why us? And all of this is about that first line. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, this earth, shows his handiwork. And it goes on to talk about how the day speaks and the night speaks and reveals knowledge. And then it says that this revelation about God and who He is, where does it go? The entire earth. There's not a people group. There's not a language group. There's not a region. There's nowhere where these things that we just read about and these things we've been talking about are not true. Anybody, anywhere, at any time in the earth, they see these things and they experience these things because God is using them to shout out His glory so he would say to the atheist wake up pay attention think a little bit get rid of your wicked philosophies there is a God he made this earth and he made the universe and then he might say to somebody else quit worshiping the tree I made the trees stop praying to the sun I made the sun And God continually reveals himself through all of this in creation. It's an amazing God that we serve. And we think about all of these things that he does. And uh, you think about how things, again, are so consistent and so powerful. And all of this is a description of the work of God. A description of the work of God. So, let's talk about it. The glory of God. You know, that's a phrase that's thrown out so much. We, are, The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We've heard that so much we don't even really think about it. Some people say glory to God. Sometimes in a hymn we sing glory to His name. What is the glory of God? What are we talking about? The heavens are declaring it. And they declare all of this to tell us who He is and to tell us more about him. You know, there are two aspects of the glory of God. There's intrinsic glory. That's just who he is. He just can't help but be glorious. That's just who he is. Everything about him is great and wonderful and powerful and uh, amazing. And then there's ascribed glory. That's when we notice something and we say, praise the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord." who controls the universe and we begin to ascribe we see and we talk we see and we talk and we ascribe glory so intrinsic that's just who he is and he's got it and he's not going to share it with anybody and then there's the ascribed glory where we get a glimpse of his glory and then we have to talk about it and we have to praise him and we shout his praises Um, Someone said God's intrinsic glory is the sum total of all His divine attributes. His holiness, sovereignty, righteousness, grace, truth, goodness, mercy, justice, omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, and more. All these divine perfections constitute His intrinsic glory, and it is this that God desires to display in his creation and works. So when you go outside and look, that is God's intrinsic glory. Just coming out and showing up in that. Okay? Now, man... or oh, pardon me. Then as God unveils his glory to man, as we see it, as we recognize it, man is to give him glory, which is ascribed glory, or the glory due his name. This is man's chief purpose in life. He is to live to make God's glory known in the world and to ascribe glory to Him. So, how has God revealed Himself? You know, uh, there was a time when there wasn't a Bible. How did God reveal Himself? Where did Abraham first, first get it? Well, the Bible says that the firmament shows his handiwork. When you start looking, somebody made this. Somebody made that. Somebody designed that. You would never, ever find a watch in the grass and go, whoa, isn't that amazing? All those minerals came together and made a working watch here. You would say, that's preposterous. There's a watchmaker somewhere. There's a design. And when we look at this universe around us and look at the world... How is it that anybody, anybody, anytime, anywhere could not look and see the handiwork of a designer? And God has made it that way so that he declares his glory in all of this. In fact, these things that we're talking about here is what theologians call general revelation. And this is the thing that you look at and say, there must be a God. Who are you? Where are you? I don't understand this, but somebody made this. And it's interesting that in all of our studies archaeologically and then all of our sociological studies, it doesn't matter how primitive the people group is, there are no atheists in those situations. You have to get really, really smart and sophisticated before you can be dumb enough to say there's no God. And then uh, that's general revelation. Anybody, anywhere, lost or saved can see that. But then there's special revelation, and that's what the next verses are going to talk about, the law of the Lord. That's where God has actually revealed through the written word. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is how you get to know me. And it's the gospel of Christ and the word of God that he's given us. And so God was kind enough to put himself on display in the heavens for anyone to see. And then he was also gracious enough to give us his written words so that you and I could read it and know exactly what God thinks and exactly who he is and exactly how it is that we get to know him. We don't have to guess. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not through visions or dreams. It's not through experiences or feelings. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And God was good enough to give that to us in His inerrant, infallible, eternal, all-sufficient Word. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. You want to know God? Yeah, it's wonderful to look at the moon. But you're going to have a hard time figuring out who He is. You look at the moon, and you're never going to think, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a trinity. Hey, they could be co-equal in their nature and attributes, and you're never going to get that. You have to go to the Bible. When you go out and look at the stars, you say, what a great and glorious God we serve. But you're not going to look at the Big Dipper and say, I think God sent His Son as human and divine, to live a perfect life and die on the cross and defeat death, hell, and the grave and be raised from the dead. Ah, I get it. You're not going to do that. You have to go to the Word for that. And so God gives us general revelation, and then He gives us special revelation, specific revelation that we find through uh, the Word of God. And we look at all of this and we see creation, we see His control and just the marvelous consistency. Now, when you think about this, what is it that we should clearly be able to see? Anybody ought to be able to see like the little kids, right? God is... Anybody know? Great. And God is? Good. You don't have to go to the, let us thank Him for our food. Just think of those two things. Every attribute of God is either an attribute of greatness... Creation, power, resurrection, all of that. Or an attribution of goodness, grace, mercy, love, those kind of things. You can divide them up and put them in those two categories. God is great and God is good. And that's what we see, and this is what the uh, the psalmist here writes about David. Because we see the goodness of God, for example, as you look in verse 2. Day to day utter speech. You know what? Lost people even benefit from that. They benefit from rain. They benefit from a growing season. They benefit benefit from the warmth. They benefit from science and knowledge and all of those things that, that come about. And uh, this is amazing because all of us have been... Touched by all of this, and he said, "There's not a place where their voice is not heard. Everything here in creation—it's—it's it's what we live on. It's what makes mathematics work. It's what makes moonshots possible. It's—it—it—it's it, it, it's what it is that causes medical science to be able to fix what's wrong with us and diagnose those things. That's all the gift from God. That's the greatness of God. And it's as if creation is speaking and it testifies." to doctors and everybody else, even us, that there is a God, there's a designer. And we're just stupid if we can't see that. It's clear, very, very clear. And it's to all people in all places at all times. But then I want you to think about, fourthly, the greatness of God. And it says things like this. He put up a tent for the sun. There's a dwelling place for the sun. The sun can't go wherever it wants to go. And so whenever you hear something, there's an asteroid coming that might destroy the earth, just laugh. God's got it taken care of, and the earth's not going to be destroyed until he's ready for it to be destroyed. And oh, by the way, according to what Peter writes in his epistle, God's going to destroy the earth. Not us, not global warming, not a nuclear bomb, not an asteroid, not a comet, none of that. God's going to do it why because he's in control and he has set the boundaries and the sun cannot do anything except what God ordains well what if the sun goes out can't because God said it can't right why is it that we uh, the earth doesn't bump into Mars or anything like that because God said it can't he set all of that in motion he controls it and even the very molecules that make up your body or that chair you're sitting in why do they hold together Well, they just do. You know, science says the atoms are. No, 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 no. The reason they hold together is because the Creator made them to hold together and He makes sure that they hold together. And that's why you can drive across a bridge and, you know, and and feel pretty good about it. You know why? Because it was engineered that way. Yeah, but it was engineered that way because a sovereign God made the materials and gave people wisdom to know how to put it together so that it could hold the weight. Of all of that. It's held together by God, folks. Why? Because God is not only good, but God is great. He's a great God. He set a tabernacle for the Son. Hey, Mr. Son, you can't do whatever you want and go wherever you want willy nilly. You got to do what the boss says. When Jesus walked on the water, I heard a Dutch preacher when we were in Berlin say this, and it was really kind of funny in his thick Dutch accent. So, you know what happened? All of the molecules of the water said, the boss is coming. Don't let him down. Yeah. The big boss is walking on you. And Jesus walked on water because he controls it. He commands it. And this is what he's saying here in these verses. This is the greatness of God. The greatness of God that happens. He controls the place of the sun, controls the path of the sun, and controls the power of the sun. Why? He is greater than the sun. Greater. I want you to uh, conclude with me by turning to Romans chapter 1. And you'll notice that Paul says everything we've been saying tonight. Romans chapter 1. And uh, you can go to verse 18. We'll start there. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Evolution because what may be known of God is manifest in them God has shown it to them it's declaring the glory of God right for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. Hmm. Wise professors, right? They became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie so the heavens are declaring the glory of God and they exchange it for a lie make it something that it is not right? No wonder God's angry with sin and sinners. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Yeah, isn't that something? So, putting it all together here, general revelation gives enough knowledge to take away the excuses and condemn. They are without excuse when they stand before God. But special revelation, that's Scripture. And that contains the gospel. And the gospel is necessary for salvation. Because the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. You don't get saved by looking at a moon and saying, Hmm, somebody must have made that. Boom, I'm saved. That didn't happen. you got to know about Jesus. you got to know about what He did. And that's why the Bible says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we have to do. And we have to understand that. It's not our dreams and our visions, our thoughts, our opinions or anything. They're all over the map. All over the map. But when we open the Word of God, His special revelation to us never changes. And it tells us the truth. And it's in that that we find eternal life because the Scriptures testify of Jesus the one who said, let there be light. Did you know that? John chapter 1 says nothing was made except that he made it. In Genesis 1, that voice, the Son of God. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And we, of all people, ought to join with the heavens in giving glory to the Lord. Let's testify of him. This world desperately needs to hear it. And when you go outside, let the testimony of the heavens affirm in your heart what the inerrant word of God says. And let it bless your heart. Our God lives. Our God reigns. Our God is the true and the living God. And our faith is in Him alone. Does that give you hope? that give you purpose does that make life worth living does that make the trials worth enduring does that make the battles worth fighting and all god's people said amen. amen father thank you may we go outside and may our spirits hear the shout of the universe as it says hallelujah our god reigns and may we join in from our hearts saying, you're absolutely right. And may we worship and honor and glorify you everywhere we go. Show us your glory, O Lord, and then let us ascribe that glory to you before a lost and dying world and before other believers who need encouragement. This is not all there is. Our hope is not in this life only, or we are of all men most miserable. Thank you for saving our soul. Revealing yourself to us. And Thank you, Lord, that far beyond what a telescope can see, there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. for The Father waits over the hill to prepare us a dwelling place there. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. One of these days we're going to go past all of this stuff in the universe. And we're going to see streets of gold gates of pearl and more than anything else we're going to see jesus even so come quickly lord jesus and it's in his name we pray amen